Section six of Junior Classics, Volume five Stories that Never Grow Old. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Lynn Thompson. Junior Classics, Volume five Stories that Never Grow Old. Edited by William Patton. Section six the story of Aladdin or the wonderful lamp part three The genie disappeared and Aladdin saw what he desired executed in an instant The genie then returned and carried him to his own home When the Sultan's porters came to open the gates they were amazed to find what had been an unoccupied garden filled up with a magnificent palace and a splendid carpet Extending to it all the way from the Sultan's palace They told the strange tidings to the Grand Vizier who informed the Sultan who exclaimed it must be Aladdin's palace Which I gave him leave to build for my daughter He has wished to surprise us and let us see what wonders can be done in only one night Aladdin on his being conveyed by the genie to his own home Requested his mother to go to the princess Boudir al Boudor and Tell her that the palace would be ready for her reception in the evening She went attended by her women slaves in the same order as on the preceding day Shortly after her arrival at the princess's apartment the Sultan himself came in and was surprised to find her whom he knew as his suppliant at his divan in such humble guise to be now more richly and sumptuously attired than his own daughter This gave him a higher opinion of Aladdin who took such care of his mother and made her share his wealth and honors Shortly after her departure Aladdin mounting his horse and attended by his retinue of magnificent attendants Left his paternal home forever and went to the palace in the same pomp as on the day before nor did he forget to take with him the wonderful lamp to which he owed all his good fortune nor to wear the ring which was given him as a talisman the sultan entertained aladdin with the utmost magnificence and at night on the conclusion of the marriage ceremonies the princess took leave of the sultan her father bands of music led the procession followed by a hundred state ushers and the like number of black mutes in two files with their officers at their head four hundred of the sultan's young pages carried flambeaux on each side which together with the illumination of the sultan's and aladdin's palaces made it as light as day in this order the princess conveyed in her litter and accompanied also by aladdin's mother carried in a superb litter and attended by her women slaves proceeded on the carpet which was spread from the sultan's palace to that of aladdin on her arrival aladdin was ready to receive her at the entrance and led her into a large hall illuminated with an infinite number of wax candles where a noble feast was served up the dishes were of massy gold and contained the most delicate viands the vases basins and goblets were gold also and of exquisite workmanship and all the other ornaments and embellishments of the hall were answerable to this display the princess dazzled to see so much riches collected in one place said to aladdin 
I thought prince that nothing in the world was so beautiful as the Sultan my father's palace But the sight of this hall alone is sufficient to show I was deceived When the supper was ended there entered a company of female dancers who performed according to the custom of the country Singing at the same time verses in praise of the bride and bridegroom about midnight Aladdin's mother conducted the bride to the nuptial apartment and he soon after retired the next morning the attendants of Aladdin presented themselves to dress him and brought him another habit as rich and magnificent as that worn the day before he then ordered one of the horses to be got ready mounted him and went in the midst of a large troop of slaves to the Sultan's palace to entreat him to take a repast in the princess's palace attended by his grand vizier and all the lords of his court the Sultan consented with pleasure rose up immediately and preceded by the principal officers of his palace and followed by all the great lords of his court accompanied Aladdin the nearer the Sultan approached Aladdin's palace the more he was struck with its beauty but when he entered it came into the hall and saw the windows enriched with diamonds rubies emeralds all large perfect stones he was completely surprised and said to his son-in-law this palace is one of the wonders of the world for where in all the worlds besides shall we find walls built of massy gold and silver and diamonds rubies and emeralds composing the windows but what most surprises me is that a hall of this magnificence should be left with one of its windows incomplete and unfinished sire answered aladdin the omission was by design since I wished that you should have the glory of finishing this hall I Take your intention kindly said the Sultan and will give orders about it immediately After the Sultan had finished this magnificent entertainment provided for him and for his court by Aladdin He was informed that the jewelers and goldsmiths attended Upon which he returned to the hall and showed them the window which was unfinished I Sent for you said he to fit up this window in as great perfection as the rest examine them well and make all the dispatch you can the jewelers and goldsmiths examined the three-and-twenty windows with great attention and after they had consulted together to know what each could furnish they returned and presented themselves before the Sultan whose principal jeweler undertaking to speak for the rest said sire we are all willing to exert our utmost care and industry to obey you but among us all we cannot furnish jewels enough for so great a work I Have more than are necessary said the Sultan come to my palace and you shall choose what may answer your purpose When the Sultan returned to his palace he ordered his jewels to be brought out and the jewelers took a great quantity Particularly those Aladdin had made him a present of which they soon used without making any great advance in their work they came again several times for more and in a month's time had not finished half their work in Short they used all the jewels the Sultan had and borrowed of the vizier But yet the work was not half done Aladdin who knew that all the Sultan's endeavors to make this window like the rest were in vain sent for the jewelers and goldsmiths and not only commanded them to desist from their work but ordered them to undo what they had begun and to carry all their jewels back to the Sultan and to the vizier They undid in a few hours what they had been six weeks about and retired leaving Aladdin alone in the hall 
He took the lamp which he carried about him rubbed it and presently the genie appeared Genie said Aladdin I ordered thee to leave one of the four-and-twenty windows of this hall imperfect and thou hast executed my commands punctually now i would have thee make it like the rest the genie immediately disappeared aladdin went out of the hall and returning soon after found the window as he wished it to be like the others in the meantime the jewellers and goldsmiths repaired to the palace and were introduced into the sultan's presence where the chief jeweller presented the precious stones which he had brought back the Sultan asked them if Aladdin had given them any reason for so doing and they answering that he had given them none He ordered a horse to be brought which he mounted and rode to his son-in-law's palace With some few attendants on foot to inquire why he had ordered the completion of the window to be stopped Aladdin met him at the gate and without giving any reply to his inquiries Conducted him to the grand saloon where the Sultan to his great surprise found the window which was left imperfect to correspond exactly with the others He fancied at first that he was mistaken and examined the two windows on each side and Afterwards all the four-and-twenty But when he was convinced that the window which several workmen had been so long about was finished in so short a time He embraced Aladdin and kissed him between his eyes My son said he what a man you are to do such surprising things always in the twinkling of an eye there is not your fellow in the world the more i know the more i admire you the sultan returned to the palace and after this went frequently to the window to contemplate and admire the wonderful palace of his son-in-law aladdin did not confine himself in his palace but went with much state sometimes to one mosque and sometimes to another to prayers or to visit the grand vizier or the principal lords of the court every time he went out he caused two slaves who walked by the side of his horse to throw handfuls of money among the people as he passed through the streets and squares This generosity gained him the love and blessings of the people and it was common for them to swear by his head Thus Aladdin while he paid all respect to the Sultan won by his affable behavior and liberality the affections of the people Aladdin had conducted himself in this manner several years when the African magician who had for some years dismissed him from his recollection Determined to inform himself with certainty whether he perished as he supposed in the subterranean cave or not after he had resorted to a long course of magic ceremonies and Had formed a horoscope by which to ascertain Aladdin's fate What was his surprise to find the appearances to declare that Aladdin instead of dying in the cave had made his escape and was living in royal splendor by the aid of the genie of the wonderful lamp on the very next day the magician set out and traveled with the utmost haste to the capital of china where on his arrival he took up his lodging in a khan he then quickly learned about the wealth charities happiness and splendid palace of prince aladdin directly he saw the wonderful fabric he knew that none but the genies the slaves of the lamp could have performed such wonders and Piqued to the quick at Aladdin's high estate. He returned to the Khan On his return he had recourse to an operation of geomancy to find out where the lamp was Whether Aladdin carried it about with him or where he left it 
the result of his consultation informed him to his great joy that the lamp was in the palace well said he rubbing his hands in glee i shall have the lamp and i shall make aladdin return to his original mean condition the next day the magician learned from the chief superintendent of the khan where he lodged that aladdin had gone on a hunting expedition which was to last for eight days of which only three had expired the magician wanted to know no more he resolved at once on his plans he went to a coppersmith and asked for a dozen copper lamps the master of the shop told him he had not so many by him but if he would have patience till the next day he would have them ready the magician appointed his time and desired him to take care that they should be handsome and well polished the next day the magician called for the twelve lamps paid the man his full price put them into a basket hanging on his arm and went directly to aladdin's palace as he approached he began crying who will change old lamps for new ones as he went along a crowd of children collected who hooted and thought him as did all who chanced to be passing by a madman or a fool to offer to change new lamps for old ones the african magician regarded not their scoffs hootings or all they could say to him but still continued crying who will change old lamps for new ones he repeated this so often walking backward and forward in front of the palace that the princess who was then in the hall with the four-and-twenty windows heard a man cry something and seeing a great mob crowding about him sent one of her women slaves to know what he cried the slave returned laughing so heartily that the princess rebuked her madam answered the slave still laughing who can forbear laughing to see an old man with a basket on his arm full of fine new lamps asking to change them for old ones the children and mob crowding about him so that he can hardly stir make all the noise they can in derision of him another female slave hearing this said now you speak of lamps i know not whether the princess may have observed it but there is an old one upon the shelf of the prince aladdin's robing room and whoever owns it will not be sorry to find a new one in its stead if the princess chooses she may have the pleasure of trying if this old man is so silly as to give a new lamp for an old one without taking anything for the exchange the princess who knew not of the value of this lamp and the interest that aladdin had to keep it safe entered into the pleasantry and commanded a slave to take it and make the exchange the slave obeyed went out of the hall and no sooner got to the palace gates than he saw the african magician called to him and showing him the old lamp said give me a new lamp for this the magician never doubted but this was the lamp he wanted there could be no other such in this palace where every utensil was gold or silver he snatched it eagerly out of the slave's hand and thrusting it as far as he could into his breast offered him his basket and bade him choose which he liked best the slave picked out one and carried it to the princess but the change was no sooner made than the place rung with the shouts of the children deriding the magician's folly the african magician stayed no longer near the palace nor cried any more new lamps for old ones but made the best of his way to his khan his end was answered and by his silence he got rid of the children and the mob as soon as he was out of sight of the two palaces 
he hastened down the least frequented streets and having no more occasion for his lamps or basket set all down in a spot where nobody saw him then going down another street or two he walked till he came to one of the city gates and pursuing his way through the suburbs which were very extensive at length reached a lonely spot where he stopped till the darkness of the night as the most suitable time for the design he had in contemplation when it became quite dark he pulled the lamp out of his breast and rubbed it at that summons the genie appeared and said what wouldst thou have i am ready to obey thee as thy slave and the slave of all those who have that lamp in their hands both i and the other slaves of the lamp i command thee replied the magician to transport me immediately and the palace which thou and the other slaves of the lamp have built in this city with all the people in it to africa the genie made no reply but with the assistance of the other genies the slaves of the lamp immediately transported him and the palace entire to the spot whither he had been desired to convey it early the next morning when the sultan according to the custom went to contemplate and admire aladdin's palace his amazement was unbounded to find that it could nowhere be seen he could not comprehend how so large a palace which he had seen plainly every day for some years should vanish so soon and not leave the least remains behind in his perplexity he ordered the grand vizier to be sent for with expedition the grand vizier who in secret bore no good will to aladdin intimated his suspicion that the palace was built by magic and that aladdin had made his hunting excursion an excuse for the removal of his palace with the same suddenness with which it had been erected he induced the sultan to send a detachment of his guards and to have aladdin seized as a prisoner of state on his son-in-law being brought before him he would not hear a word from him but ordered him to be put to death the decree caused so much discontent among the people whose affection aladdin had secured by his largesses and charities that the sultan fearful of an insurrection was obliged to grant him his life when aladdin found himself at liberty he again addressed the sultan sire i pray you to let me know the crime by which i have thus lost the favor of thy countenance your crime answered the sultan wretched man do you not know it follow me and i will show you the sultan then took aladdin into the apartment from whence he was wont to look at and admire his palace and said you ought to know where your palace stood look mind and tell me what has become of it aladdin did so and being utterly amazed at the loss of his palace was speechless at last recovering himself he said it is true i do not see the palace it is vanished but i had no concern in its removal i beg you to give me forty days and if in that time i cannot restore it i will offer my head to be disposed of at your pleasure i give you the time you ask but at the end of forty days forget not to present yourself before me aladdin went out of the sultan's palace in a condition of exceeding humiliation the lords who had courted him in the days of his splendor now declined to have any communication with him for three days he wandered about the city exciting the wonder and compassion of the multitude by asking everybody he met if they had seen his palace or could tell him anything of it on the third day he wandered into the country 
and as he was approaching a river he fell down the bank with so much violence that he rubbed the ring which the magician had given him so hard by holding on the rock to save himself that immediately the same genie appeared whom he had seen in the cave where the magician had left him what wouldst thou have said the genie i am ready to obey thee as thy slave and the slave of all those that have that ring on their finger both i and the other slaves of the ring aladdin agreeably surprised at an offer of help so little expected replied genie show me where the palace i caused to be built now stands or transport it back where it first stood your command answered the genie is not wholly in my power i am only the slave of the ring and not of the lamp i command thee then replied aladdin by the power of the ring to transport me to the spot where my palace stands in what part of the world soever it may be these words were no sooner out of his mouth than the genie transported him into africa to the midst of a large plain where his palace stood and no great distance from a city and placing him exactly under the window of the princess's apartment left him now it so happened that shortly after aladdin had been transported by the slave of the ring to the neighborhood of his palace one of the attendants of the princess budir al budor looking through the window perceived him and instantly told her mistress the princess who could not believe the joyful tidings hastened herself to the window and seeing aladdin immediately opened it the noise of the opening window made aladdin turn his head that way and perceiving the princess he saluted her with an air that expressed his joy to lose no time said she to him i have sent to have the private door opened for you enter and come up the private door which was just under the princess's apartment was soon opened and aladdin conducted up into the chamber it was impossible to express the joy of both at seeing each other after so cruel a separation after embracing and shedding tears of joy they sat down and aladdin said i beg of you princess to tell me what is become of an old lamp which stood upon a shelf in my robing chamber alas answered the princess i was afraid our misfortune might be owing to that lamp and what grieves me most is that i have been the cause of it i was foolish enough to change the old lamp for a new one and the next morning i found myself in this unknown country which i am told is africa princess said aladdin interrupting her you have explained all by telling me we are in africa i desire you only to tell me if you know where the old lamp now is the african magician carries it carefully wrapped up in his bosom said the princess and this i can assure you because he pulled it out before me and showed it to me in triumph princess said aladdin i think i have found the means to deliver you and to regain possession of the lamp on which all my prosperity depends to execute this design it is necessary for me to go to the town i shall return by noon and will then tell you what must be done by you to ensure success in the meantime i shall disguise myself and i beg that the private door may be opened at the first knock end of section six